0: Hey, you know, throughout our culture, when somebody is in a public event and they have a camera pointed at them, they always say, what do they say? They say, hey, Mom. So, so hey, Mom, but, but today's Father's Day. So, hey, Dad, how are you doing? Uh, hey, if your dad is near you right now, if you could just turn and say, hey, Dad, how are you doing? Uh, and later on today, you can do the mushy stuff. Got to ask my dad a question, though. Dad, wherever you're at right now, i got to ask you a question. Which brother is more important? Which brother is more essential? You see, my uh, brother is five years younger than me, and his name is Adam. My name is Ben, and we are, in a lot of ways, alike. Our voices would sound very similar if we picked up the phone, in a lot of ways, very, very different. See, Adam uh, is a country lawyer. He has his own private practice. I'm I'm a city preacher. I've always been jealous of Adam's sign. It's uh, his letters of his name, Adam C. Kathy, in gold, New Times Roman font on the side of his building, two feet high. Wouldn't that just make you feel awesome? Pull up every day, see your name on the wall. Some of you are like, what's wrong with you? Well, I, uh, I, I, while I was getting my degree at, at, at Auburn University, Adam was serving in the Navy on the USS Kennedy, and I believe learning to cuss like a sailor there. After that, when I was... Uh, starting my family and was in seminary in Lexington, Kentucky, Adam decided to go to school and he went to the University of Georgia and then went on to LSU to get his law degree and as an Auburn fan, who could pick two worse schools for Adam to go to except for one? That other school. Adam is good at music. He's good at cooking he's good at comedy and he's good at debating politics we're different people I'm not so good at cooking I will say this Adam's better at golf than me Than I'm better at every other sport than him Adam during our younger years was known as the troublemaker the rabble rouser, the one who lived by his own rules. I, on the other hand, was known as the rule follower, the good kid. You see, I actually wanted adults to like me. Adam was in high school as my parents' marriage was coming apart. I was away at college. I, that time, I didn't really know what was going on. Adam introduced me to a song by the Abbott Brothers. Any, any fans of the Abbott Brothers? Anybody? We got a couple. Wake up, guys! Abbott Brothers. Okay. He introduced me to a song by the Abbott Brothers called "Murder in the City." The words, I think, mean a lot to both of us. I, they go like this. I wonder which brother is better, which one our parents love the most. I sure to get in lots of trouble. They seem to let the other go. A tear fell from my father's eyes. I wondered what my dad would say. He said, "I love you, and I'm proud of you both, in so many different ways." Which brother do you think? Our father in heaven thinks is more essential. Which brother does God think the most of? We're a complicated bunch, aren't we? We experience a range of emotions from from, we're bitter and we're joyful We are stingy and we're generous, we're selfish and we're giving, we are lustful and we are pure, we are angry and kind, we are dishonest and honest, we are depressed and hopeful, we are overwhelmed and energetic. We are faithful and we are faithless and sometimes we experience all of these emotions in a single day. We are a complicated bunch And you know what? In the midst of that complexity, in the midst of this side and that side, God loves us all. You see, we are essential because we're essential because God has chosen us to be essential. God created us. God created you. God inspires us to make the choice to become a follower of Jesus. He gives us a personality and gifts to bless the world with. God gives us a plan and a purpose and a hope and a future. God loves us. And if that phrase is lost on you because you've heard it too much, let let me say this. God likes us. Will you look at whoever you're with right now and just say God likes you? Will you do that? Yeah, he actually likes us. And guess what? He knows everything about us, and he still likes us. You see, ultimately, we find our essentialness in God. We find our essentialness in God. We don't find our essentialness ultimately anywhere else, except in. Our father's love. You see, we have a loving father who longs for us to live in his house. Not just living, but life. Not just every day, get up, go to work, come home, get a meal, watch a TV show, get up again and do the same thing. But a life that has a hope and a future. And this means you. This means that you are essential and that you find your full essentialness in God. Well, today we want to look in Scripture at a familiar story. It it, it has two brothers in it. Some people have called the, the parable of the prodigal son the greatest parable or the gospel in miniature. One author said this, it's perfect. The depth of meaning we find here is in such a short story is breathtaking. Well, there's three people in this story, a father and two brothers. Me and my brother actually have a younger sister. Her name's Elizabeth. We don't know if these brothers had a younger sister or not, but the story is about the two brothers. I'll share from Scripture the beginning and the end of it and some highlights in between. The story really begins in the first chapter of Luke 15, and and it begins this way. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Have you ever noticed how the Bible does that? Tax collectors were a special breed of sinner, right? Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law nervous. Well, actually, the word there. It, it made them complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Because we all know we're friends if we eat together, especially in the season of coronavirus, right? Whoever you eat with, that's who you're friends with these days. Well, Luke chapter 15 takes off. There's a parable about a lost sheep. There's a parable about a lost coin. And in each one, the stakes get higher, the numbers get smaller, until we find the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son, or some people say the parable of the two brothers. You see, the younger brother... He asked for his inheritance right now. You may already know that. You may not. You can read this story in Luke chapter 15. But he wanted his father's things, just not his father. And back in that day, that meant that the younger brother would have gotten one-third of his father's wealth because the older brother would have inherited two-thirds. One-third of his father's wealth probably meant that the father had to sell off some livestock or even some land in order to pay this inheritance. It probably wasn't just money in the bank or under the bed or buried in the backyard. And then the scripture tells us that this younger brother went and wasted all his money, one third of his father's wealth that he had built for a lifetime, he wasted all his money in wild living. Until he got to a point where he was working in a pigsty, looking at the pods that the pigs were feeding. Have you ever been near a pigsty? They are nasty. It's like the septic tank broke loose in the backyard, and the man can't come repair it till next week, right? That's what a pigsty smells like. And this brother was looking at the pods, wondering if he could eat them. And then scripture says he came to his senses. And he goes home. He has a speech rehearsed for his father. Scripture tells us that when the father saw him on the horizon, he was filled with compassion and love and ran to his son. As the son began his speech, his father almost interrupts him and says, I'm so glad you're home. He said, go get, go get the finest robe. That'd be my robe. Go get the family ring. That would say that you belong. Go get the sandals. All of these were signs of belonging again, of being accepted as a family member again. And then he said, kill the calf. Guys, this was like Christmas. This didn't happen every day. There were no grocery stores with your choice of meat. There were animals in the field that if you wanted some, you had to go get it. And calves were very, very valuable. He said, kill the calf. And when you killed a calf, that was an occasion, not just to have a party with your family. That was an occasion to invite every. Everybody in the village in the surrounding area. So he said, come, everybody, let's have a feast. Let's have a party. My son is back home. But the older brother wasn't even there. He didn't see his younger brother coming home. He didn't know what was going on. You know what the older brother was doing? The older brother was out in the field. He was working. He was helping his father's inheritance increase. His inheritance increase. And he comes up, and I don't know if there was music, there was a crowd, there was certainly talk, and he comes up to the house and it was like, "What's going on?" And he finds out that his brother's home and that his dad is throwing a party for him, and he won't go inside to join the party. Scripture tells us that he, he was pretty upset about it. His dad, it says, came out from the party to see him and begged him to come in. The older brother. (laughs) Dad, I've been working in the field all day long. Dad, I've done everything you told me to do. Dad, I've been a good son. Dad, I hadn't wasted all your money and you've never killed a calf for me and invited the neighbors over. And then the parable ends in Luke chapter 15, verse 31. It says this. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And that's where the story ends. That's where the parable ends. It's like you build up to this point and boom, father, son standing outside the party, father inviting the son in. We don't know what the response is gonna be. We don't know what the future is. So what's God telling us in this parable? Well, he's not saying that one brother was good and one brother was bad. We tend to look at the scripture and we tend to see that in it. As church folks, we like to see ourselves as the older brother. What we find here is two ways to find happiness, to find meaning, to find fulfillment in life. And we probably lean one way or the other. You see, we all have a part of these two brothers in us. We're complicated people, right? And God still loves us and longs to bring us home. God is the father in the story. And the father in the story pursues both sons, not just one. I have a a couple of props to help describe this idea. And uh, Glenn is going to help me out. with. Can you guys give Glenn Glenn Ditton a hand? Um, Yay, Glenn. Um, Glenn uh, does things. A lot of us have no idea what she does, but you knew she did this, so I thought it was a good opportunity to clap. Well, you see, the, the one brother was trying to achieve what he wanted in life through moral achievement and, and through following the rules. right? So we have, we have a rule book here, and it's thick. It, this is not one of my brother's law books, by the way. This is a rule book with the rules of life and how you're a good person and how you get your parents to like you and what you need to do if you're going to stay in the good graces of everybody around you, including God, right? It's all in here. But the other brother, what was, what was the other brother? The other brother was all about himself, right? He was about, he was about self-discovery. Have you ever seen one of these? This thing is awesome, by the way. I want, I want to plug it in, but, but I'm not quite going to. But if, if you turn the lights on here, you can see like the regular mirror and then you can see the really close up mirror and then you can see what you look like in the evening, in the daytime, at home and at the office. In fact, if you're approaching 40 years old, be careful with this mirror because you'll find hairs in weird places on your face. You'd be like, ears, really? You know? And if you're approaching 50, you'll look down and you'll see hairs growing out of the knuckles on your toes and you won't need this mirror anymore to realize that as you age, hair grows in weird places. But is there any any doubt as to the reason that women are more beautiful than men does anybody disagree does anybody disagree with that I just want to let you know one of the big reasons that women are more beautiful than men is because of a mirror like this you can see everything about yourself in this I mean it is amazing like right now man I miss that okay enough of that see the two brothers represent to us a way of being. One would be moral achievement to win the favor of God and others, to win the favor of their father. The other would be self Discovery to find what they wanted in life. The younger brother thought that if he could get his father's mother, get, get his father's money, get off the farm and go do whatever he felt like and wanted, that he would find himself and that he would find happiness and meaning in life, right? They both were using this method to achieve success. You see, if I I had to lean one way or another, we're complicated people, but uh, Ben would lean this way. Adam would lean this way. Which brother is more essential? Which brother is more important? Each brother represents a different way that we approach the world. Each way we find personal worth. Each way we address the life questions in this world. Each way determines right from wrong for us, for our particular world view, our particular belief structure. See, the older brother sought to achieve success through moral achievement, and in doing so, he was lost at home. Through strict obedience to the rules, through being afraid of losing face, through being concerned about the rules more than the heart, by by living into the standards of the community more than the individual. This brother was trying to achieve success by following the path of moral achievement. The other brother was lost far from home. The other brother was pushing to be free from the constructs of of the rules and of, of living up to other people's expectations. He wanted to break down convention and custom and tradition and he wanted to live outside of the community he was accountable to and he only wanted to be accountable to himself until he needed that community again. For him, the world was a better place if the tradition was removed, if the boundaries didn't exist, or if they were weakened. Folks, we are deeply divided in Western society. And in some ways, as you look out in the world, we see ourselves sometimes in two camps that look a little bit like this. And and if you criticize or distance yourself from one, everyone assumes that you've chosen the other to follow. And that's never quite the story, is it? We're a complicated bunch. You see, the moral achievement folks, the older brother folks, they say this, the immoral people, the people who do their own thing, they are the problem with the world. And we, the moral people, we're the ones who can fix it. But the opposite is just as true. The self-discovery folks, they say this, they say the uptight people, the people who say we have the truth, they are the problem with the world. And our progressive thoughts have the solution and we can fix the world. But we find in scripture that both brothers are lost, one at home and one away in another land. Ironically, each brother felt his way was the right way. Scripture tells us in this amazing parable that neither way is the right way, that both are wrong, that God loves and wants more for both. You see, the older brother thought he could get what he want with this. Father, I've never disobeyed you. The younger brother thought that the father wouldn't accept him and in his mind his heart he said father I've disobeyed you too much for you to accept me I, I, I gained the construct the idea behind the two brothers from Timothy Keller's book The Prodigal God I want to share a quote with you it's like this the heart's of the two brothers were the same. Both sons resented their father's authority and sought ways of getting out from under it. They each wanted to get into a position in which they could tell the father what to do. This, like, come on, does that sound familiar? <laughs> right? Each one, in other words, rebelled. But one did so by being very bad and the other by being extremely good. Both were alienated from the father's heart. Both were lost sons. Both, older brother and younger brother, one through a rule book, one through self-discovery, tried to save themselves. Serious question this morning. Are you trying to save yourself? Sub question, are you trying to save your country by yourself? You see, we're essential not because of what we earn in this life. We're essential because God created us and we are made in His image. We are essential because every human being has sacred worth in the eyes of God. We're essential because God loves us. We're essential because God has a plan and a purpose for every human being, a hope and a future for everyone. We are essential because God loves us. And if that's not enough for you, God even likes you. And we find our essentialness in God. Will you look at somebody you had not talked to yet, just point your finger across the room and and at least mouth or yell the words, whatever you do, and just look at them and say, you are essential just like that? You are essential? Well, how, as we wrap things up today, how, how do we change away from one way or the other how do we focus our lives around the love of the father how do we focus our lives away from self-salvation and towards salvation in the name of Jesus Christ how do we get away from messes of our own making how do we turn away from being separated God by by devices that we've made from the pig slop or from the field from from inside the party and outside the party how do we find that place I want to share two truths as we close Number one, God moves towards you. God starts and initiates the relationship with us. We can't know God without God coming to us. It's instructive in this parable that God sought out, he ran with love and compassion to the younger son. He came outside the party and found the older son to invite him in. God pursues us. This gives me hope. Doesn't it give you hope? Don't ever forget this in this parable. Do you remember where we started? Sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees. Don't ever forget that Jesus was speaking to Pharisees. These are the very people who would end up betraying, bruising, beating, and ultimately crucifying Jesus. Jesus was inviting Pharisees into the kingdom while challenging them as to what they thought about those people. That's pretty clever, isn't it? It seems like maybe only God could do that. (laughs) See, Jesus here is not a Pharisee to the Pharisees, he's a savior to the Pharisees and he invites them in this parable to come to the party. The good news, the good news is this, that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. You see, Jesus knew we're complicated people. Jesus knew we would end up doing stupid stuff in this lifetime. Jesus knew that we would have these thoughts that we wrestle with. He knew that we would vacillate between joy and anxiety, between stinginess and generosity. He knew that, yet he still died for us. He still came running with love and compassion in his heart, and he wants the best for us. Can somebody just say amen? <laughs> Second truth. Regret is not repentance. You see, regret is feeling sad about my sin. And the older brother didn't even realize it was sin. (laughs) He was still sad about it. Regret is feeling sad about my sin. Repentance is trusting someone else with my sin. See, repentance goes deeper than a list of sins. See, we need the list because we're sinners. And it grieves God's heart when we steal, we covet, we, we lust, we lie, we bully, we shame, we, we withhold love, we become self-centered, we push others down. All of these things grieve God's heart. So we need the list. But more than the list, we must push beyond it. We must get to the root of our lostness, we must get to the ultimate place where we need to repent, not just live in regret for the past, but repent of who we are and have become. You see, it's not our sin that lost us. It's our pride. It's our independence. It's our lack of trust It's creating a path for our own salvation that lost us. Does does anybody know uh, reportedly what what Buddha said in his last days or one of his last comments? Work hard to gain your own salvation. Compare a statement like that to the statement of Jesus Christ on the cross. When Jesus didn't say, keep working hard, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. We must learn how to repent of the sin under all other sins and under all other righteousness, the sin of seeking to be our own Savior and Lord. Our life must become an anthem, not of our own efforts and ability, not of our own goodness, but an anthem of God's goodness and grace. You see, part of the beauty of this story is that the younger son trusted the father with his sin. He came back home and we're left hanging at the end of the story because we don't know if the older son was gonna trust the father or not. We find our essentialness in something beyond making our own way in life. You see, here's God's heart, God's desire. We are the sons and daughters of God. And no matter where we go, the Father is pursuing us. We're close to the Father's heart. Will we receive him? Will we trust him with our path? Will we trust him with our heart? Will we trust him with our life? When the father runs to us in compassion and gives us a rope and a fatted calf, will we receive it? When the father comes to us and begs us to join the party, will we receive it? Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the goodness and the depth Of your word. And Lord, I just pray that um, my words would have honored you today. And and God, I just pray that um, you would help us ask questions of ourselves. God, are are we trying to save ourselves without you? Or God, are we leaning into you and trusting you with every step? God, help us not live with the regret of our sins. But God, help us live with the freedom of our repentance. And God, help us recognize that that freedom is found in you and you alone. It's found in the wonderful, amazing life and sacrifice of your son. God, we love you. And we thank you that you'll never stop loving us. It's in Jesus' name that we